Welcome to the Travis Garrison, Go Turpins with Travis Garrison on the Field of Six Eight Networks. I got Mr. Dave Ungrady here. I'm the author of Born Ready. I also have the podcast coming out, Lynn Bias, The Mixed Legacy. Thanks for joining me today, sir. How's everything going? Travis, appreciate you getting me on your show. It's always good to see you. Things are going well, as you can imagine, pretty busy. We're debuting the podcast series Friday. And of course, uh, as we were just talking about the activities at the Maryland game tonight to recognize Len, uh, his induction into the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame about 10 days ago. So it's, it, it seems that the Len's, Len's legacy and story just keeps popping up. Absolutely, absolutely. Now you went to Maryland, correct? I did. I was there in the late 70s. I was a track scholarship athlete, captain of the track team in 1980. And also played soccer for part of a year before an injury uh, made me stop that. And uh, I've been in touch with the university since then. I'm a member of the M Club Board of Directors and um, try to stay as involved as I can. And, and written, uh, my third book about Maryland athletics was Born Ready, The Mixed Legacy of Len Bias. I had two other previous books, one of which you're featured uh, I'm sorry. No, I was thinking of Walt. Sorry about that. <laughs> I got you and Walt confused. Oh, hey, yeah, hey, yeah. hey, don't even worry about it. Hey, Co- Coach hey. Williams, Coach Williams used to give me mix up with Walt himself. <laughs> That's That's, and I was his player, you know, and All I was right, like, well, uh, that makes me feel better. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, even the his sister, even his sister, his sister, <laughs> Walt's sister used to get me confused. Yes. I'm like, that's I'm that funny. much like like Walt. That's yeah, that's crazy. Well, we're uh, Coach Williams and I are getting older, so maybe that's the issue. <laughs> uh, but um, the Legends of Maryland Basketball was the book I was referring to, and there's another one called Tales from the Maryland Terrapins, was my first book about Maryland athletics. So uh, I've tried to stay in touch with the university in some capacity as a journalist, as a supporter of athletics as well. So we do what we can. Absolutely, that's that's awesome. Now, now, what what made you start doing the story of Lynn Bias? Like, for example, with your third book, I believe you said, uh, Born Ready, what made you want to dive into that and, you know, the legacy that uh, Mr. Bias had and just the whole story and, and everything that went around it? What made you want to write a book about it? Well, in 2009, I saw the ESPN 30 for 30 documentary without bias. And I watched it with, as many people did with a lot of interest. So I was, again, very familiar with the story. Uh, I covered him a little bit as a journalist, never got to know Len, but um, I was in between jobs then. I had been laid off from a job uh, in, in the media profession and was looking for other work. And, and I saw the documentary and then it made me look into what books had been written about Len's legacy. Since I had written two other books about Maryland athletics, I thought it was a natural thing to do. And I realized there was one written in the late 1980s by a, a journalist from the Baltimore Sun. I'm uh, forgetting his name off the top of my head, but it, that focused on primarily the immediate aftermath of Len's death. And it focused on Len, uh, Lefty Drizel, and then Chancellor Robert Slaughter, uh, how all how his death affected them and how they maybe did things that may have contributed to what happened with Len and Maryland Athletics. So, um, and even the 30 for 30 documentary pretty much ended after Len died. And I knew there was so much more to his story. And I saw what it did to people in Maryland athletics. Um, Dick Dahl was an athletic director, was the athletic director when Len died, as an example. 
and Dick was an assistant track coach on the team when I was there. And everybody who knew Dick, uh, just uh, out and out respect for him, very kind man, very generous man. He would do anything for anybody. And I saw how it really altered his life and uh, not in a positive way. Um, so that was, that's an example. I saw what it did to the university, how, how the university was restructured because of, of a lack of revenue for, for several years because of Len's death, how it hurt basketball and football yeah, uh, almost simultaneously and the struggles that the university went through. Plus, perhaps most importantly, uh, Travis, the shortly after Len died, Congress passed the 1986 Anti-Drug Abuse Act, which I was somewhat familiar with, mm. but not until I started looking into the book that I really understand what that meant and what that did. It decimated urban uh, communities for decades. It changed the mandatory minimum drug sentences for uh, cocaine and crack possessions, a disparity 100 to 1, disparity between crack and cocaine. Uh, the lesser uh, amount of crack cocaine, you've received the same mandatory minimum for powder cocaine. It, it placed thousands of young black men and women in prison for ridiculously um, benign drug crimes. If you were, as an example, if you were uh, uh, a doorman at a standing outside of a building and making sure nobody came through the door to uh, to see what was happening with the uh, cocaine production behind you, you never touched it, you never sold it, you never even saw the guy who ran the business. Conspiracy, you would receive the same five-year mandatory minimum for five grams of crack cocaine as someone who had 500 grams of powder cocaine. Wow. So yeah, it was, it was devastating. And, and, and Jay Billis, who many know who follow basketball, he's one of the prominent analysts in college basketball today for ESPN. Jay played against uh, uh, Len. He played, they played the same years against each other. Jay was at Duke. And Jay's a pretty smart guy. He got a law degree, practiced law for a little bit, I think. Um, and he says that's, that's the, the part of the story that's really never been told. And it's, uh, we get into that quite a bit in our podcast series on Lent. So after I, after I started looking into it more, I realized, yes, there is so much more to his legacy than just he died and, and it was tragic. So uh, it, it convinced me to, to write the book. Now, when you wrote the book, did you, I know you say you spoke to some individuals that was there or mm -hmm. that, was, that had um, a direct, uh, interactions maybe with land or just just been affected by it. like what did, what was that was was people um were you how can i say it accepted like when you when you told me the book you were doing like how did people react like were they interested in answering the questions that you had or they kind of was like because i know it's a touchy subject and even now when i talk right. to some visuals about it some people don't want to go there or you right. kind of know like don't talk to them about it because it's still a sensitive subject for them it was a tremendous challenge to be blunt. Uh, as an example, the first person I called when I decided to write the book was Dick Dull. Dick Dull uh, told me for years that someday, Dave, I'm gonna tell you the real story. Mm. And, and, and this went on for a few years. And so when I decided to write the book, I, I called Dick and he said, Dave, uh, yeah, it's time, let's talk. So uh, he was my first call and thinking, man, is it, is it gonna be this easy? As it turned out, a couple of weeks late, we were trying to set up a time to talk, and 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 Dick uh, was at, no, I wasn't able to reach him. Then we finally talked. He said, "Dick, Dave, it's just too hard to do. I can't do it." Wow. Yeah. Uh, Brian Tribble, 
who was one of the first people I've called, I called, I tracked him down. Brian was one of three people with Len when he died. And he was the only non-basket member of the basketball team then. And a lot of people had suspicions about Brian's connection to, to Len. Um, he was the only one accused of crimes related to Len's death. He was acquitted on all charges about a year later after Len died. I met with Brian for a good hour and a half, went to his house. Very, I don't know if you ever met Brian Trouble, but a very engaging guy, very friendly, very mm. personable. And But it, when it came down to cooperating, he wanted money. And I said, we're not paying anybody. And we didn't pay anybody to be involved with this. And that made it harder. I know for the, for the 30 for 30 documentary, Tribble did tell me later uh, in follow-up conversations that he was paid $30,000 to be part of that documentary. Uh, the Bias family was paid to be part of that documentary, quite a bit of money. And I'm not, I'm not begrudging them that they, that's the right. If, right. But, but journalistically, we did not want to do that. Um, so it, it's, it, it was difficult. I, um, I thought one of the reasons I wanted to write the book is I thought is my connections to the university as a former athlete, having written two books already about athletics at Maryland. And um, I thought it would convince some of Len's teammates I knew I was confident I could talk to people in, within athletics. Dick Dole right. ultimately said no, but I, I thought I could talk with others. And um, uh, it did help to some extent. Uh, I, I, Jeff Baxter talked with me. Keith Gatlin talked with me. Uh, John Johnson, who wouldn't talk to anybody. He, he maybe had one brief media interview in the course of 20 years, 25 years since Len's death. And that was a fascinating conversation. We, we sat down at Bentley's. And, and talked to him for about two hours and recorded that interview. I recorded some, didn't record others. The ones I recorded and that I was able to save, we used for the podcast. So, uh, you know, people like Tony Massenberg initially said he would talk, then he changed his mind. It turns out he and Walt decided to write a book about Len, and that came out a few years ago. And that was the reason that uh, they gave to not wanting to participate in my book. And I, I understand that. Um, so I talked about half of the team personally and, and worked around it. Otherwise just did research on things they said about Len in the past. And so got comments from, uh, at least, at least as a primary source or as, as archive news information to, to really tie it together. Did you have a chance to talk to, did you speak to, uh, coach Giselle? I did quite a bit. And he gave me a lot of, uh, a lot of good content for the book, you know, as, as I don't know if you got to know Lefty, how well you got to know Lefty, but Lefty is a, is a very unique individual. Uh, yes. he's, he, typical conversations would go something like, ah, I don't know if I want to do this. Yeah, but then you talk to him and he talks. So, um, and I thought I was, I tried to be respectful to him, to everybody. I, re, I respected those who didn't want to talk. I understood it. It was yeah. frustrating. Um, Lefty did provide a lot of good content. I didn't record any of the interviews because I wasn't sure he was going to talk. Right. Uh, so a lot of it, all of it was from notes. And uh, he decided not to participate in the podcast series, except for one co brief conversation I had that was on the record and I recorded. Um, so uh, Lefty, yes, I talked to Lefty quite a bit and, and that worked out actually pretty well for the book. And if I can go back to Dick Dahl as well, mm -hmm. I had talked to Dick for a previous book, um, that I, one of the previous Maryland books that I wrote, and he talked about Len there. So I would use a lot of the quotes from that book about Len for the Len Bias book. So I did use some things, but it didn't go as in depth as I had hoped.
now when, when you when you were interviewing uh, these individuals, like I said before, I know it's, 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 a, it's still a, a sensitive subject to some individuals. Did anyone like did were they still like getting very emotional about talking about uh, Lynn and you know his the situation and every, the events that happened around it? Were they still like still emotional? Could you see that? Yes, Travis, two primarily come to mind. John Johnson, who was a freshman when Len died. And as I mentioned before, he was, um, he, he had talked very little uh, about Len until I convinced him to, to talk. And uh, we, we talked, we were at Bentley's for a couple hours and, and uh, he was very somber throughout it. You could see tears come to his eyes every now and then. And uh, he, it, nobody, when I, t except for one person, which I'll get to, none of the teammates uh, were crying or it didn't get that emotional. Uh, Jeff Baxter talked very candidly about things, but he was sort of very sort of matter of fact about it. Keith Gatlin and, and Jeff was a, a recorded face-to-face -face interview. Keith Gatlin was a phone interview and Keith was pretty, pretty matter of fact about it. Um, those were the two prominent teammates that uh, gave us, gave, and John gave me the, uh, the, the best interviews. The most um, emotional interview I had was with Clint Venable, who was Jay Bias's best friend. Jay, of course, was Len's brother. He was six years younger. And a lot of, and coming out of high school, he was compared to Len. He was a pretty good ball player. And, and his coaches thought he was as good as Len. Not as big, he was 6'4". Uh, he was a pretty good leaper, good shooter. And Jay was shot following an argument in a mall and killed uh, four years after Len died. And Clint Venable grew up with Jay, learned to play basketball with Jay at some, a place called The Rec, the Columbia, which you may be familiar with, the Columbia Park Recreation Center in Landover. That's where they learned how to play basketball. And Clint and Jay both watched Len and the others learn how to play there and they wanted to be like them. So Clint had a very deep connection with Len and Jay, more specifically Jay. He was a year older. And we're, we were, I did the interview with him in a, in a, uh, in a restaurant and it, uh, we had lunch and I mean, there are a couple of times tears are just coming out of his eyes when he talked about Jay. Um, that was the most emotional interview that I had, but the players for the most part were uh, pretty matter of fact about it. And because I think, they, I think they've dealt with it for a good long time and have talked a lot. Jeff's talked about it a lot. Keith has talked about it a lot. John has not. I think that's why he was a little more emotional about it. If I can give you an example of, of someone else who wasn't his teammate, but was Len's mentor, a guy named Johnny Walker, who was a, a coach at the rec. And uh, when Len learned how to play, Johnny convinced Len to play at that recreation center. He and Bob Wagner, his high school coach, pretty much made Len the player he, he was. And uh, Johnny was not returning my phone calls. And I knew he was a, he was an administrator at a high school in DC. I just went down to the school. I knew where it was. And I just, I wrote a letter and explaining what I was trying to do. And I put it in his mailbox. And, and as I was walking out, he came out of it. I, I asked to see if I could see him, but they said he was busy. So I just left the, the letter in his mailbox. And as he, as I'm walking out, he comes out of his room. And I introduced myself and explained what I was trying to do. So I just put this letter in your mailbox. Would you mind taking a look at it? And, and Travis, I'm sitting there for a good five minutes while he's reading it. And he's facing 
I'll never forget this. He's facing the mailbox and he's and his head's down for a few minutes and he's thinking about it. And he turned around and he said, yeah, I'll do it. So those kind of things were, uh, were gratifying when you can, can uh, connect with somebody to do something that I think is, is this profound. And I sat with Johnny and a, a guy named Brian Waller, who was Len's best friend, one of his best friends in high school, and learned to play basketball at the rec with Len. Uh, they were high school teammates. And, and Brian played at Providence. So I talked to them together at their homes in Prince in, in, uh, uh, at near Bowie. Two different uh, interview sessions, two or three hours each time. So very intense. They were very, very somber during that whole conversation. Um, so there was, a lot, there was a lot of emotion to varying degrees. And mostly the people who knew him well were more emotional. Uh, Johnny, if I can get back to Johnny. Johnny, uh, you, you talk to the teammate. Ask Tony about Johnny John, John, uh, Johnson's and uh, Tony Messmerg about the relationship between John Johnson and, and Len. They were like brothers. Mm -hmm. uh, John felt like he was a brother with Len. They get, became very close. So there were a lot of emotional connections between some of these guys and Len, and that showed in some of the interviews. Did you get any? Did you get any pushback? Like, did you? Were you ever talked to uh, Len's mom? That's pushback. Uh, to be blunt, we reached out to the Bias family many times. Letters, phone calls, e emails. Um, they never gave us a reason why. I even went up to speak, see her speak at Pen in Pennsylvania on on Martin Luther King Day, in I think it was two thousand eleven and recorded the speech and it's part of the podcast and very dynamic moments of her speaking if you've ever seen i don't know if you've ever seen her speak but she's very powerful she is she spoke at uh my mom's church uh back when i was in high school his mom came and spoke at the church okay so so you can relate to that she mm -hmm. wouldn't i asked if i could talk to her before or after the speech she would not talk with me uh, the closest i got to any kind of official answer was um Somebody I talked to uh, in interviews for the book gave me Eric Bias's phone number. He knew Eric Bias, and he asked that uh, that don't tell them that I gave it to you. So, and you have to respect that. So, right. when I called Eric, and the first thing he said was, "Who gave me your not who who uh, gave you my number?" And I said, "Eric, I hope you understand, but the person asked me not to say that." And he said, "Well, if you're not going to tell me, I'm not going to talk to you." And that was it. Um, for the podcast series, we, we thought about it and we didn't even try to reach out to the bias family because we figured nothing is going to change. And we worked around it and are working to get other content that she has, uh, done interviews and things like that. So uh, hopefully at some point we can work together on this, but I, I don't say this to begrudge her. I mean, who can relate to what she's been through? Uh, right. I don't think any, you lose two sons like that. How can you, you relate? The only frustrating part about that, Travis, is she has talked to other people. And if, if we could find out why, that would provide some kind of, of understanding, but I just don't know why. Right. I can, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was, that's what I was more curious about because like I said, it's, I mean, it's still, like I said, it's still a, a, a subject. It's still a subject to this day and it's still, a, mm -hmm. it could be a, Individuals. That's why sometimes some some individuals that you mentioned to me, I was kind of surprised that you were able to get them to talk because I heard stories about how 
those particular individuals definitely like wouldn't even want to like talk about it at all because of how sensitive it is to them and how they how sure. close they were to the the, the sure. situation. When you say you talked to some of the individuals that you mentioned, I was I was I'm not gonna lie, I was surprised. I was surprised. Uh, I, actually, I was pleasantly surprised when some of them said yes, and and I think I think it was for two reasons. I had already written two books about athletics at Maryland, and. Second, I was a, I'm a former Maryland athlete. I think that connection helped, and I thought it might. I don't, I don't know if that's the reason. I never really asked them why. Um, it's not really important to me why they decided to do it, and that's, that's all uh, that was my primary concern. Um, but I, I'm guessing that's, that's why it was. Okay. Now, before, before we move on to talk about some of your uh, other projects, let me tell you guys a little bit about our partners over at Bet River Sportsbook. If you haven't signed up with Bet Rivers yet, now's the time because they are offering a $250 match bonus for your first deposit. But what sets them apart is that they require just one playthrough to turn your bonus into cash money. With their new Rush Pay instant approval, withdrawing your winnings is safer, more secure, and more reliable. With basketball season in full swing, get in on the action by going to betrivers.com today or about by downloading the Bet Rivers app. Must be 21 years or older, gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Now, you I'm sorry, if I can inter interject, I forgot to mention one, one other teammate who was very accessible, Derek, Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis has been very supportive of everything we've done. He's done Zoom calls with us. He's done, and, and Derek has been probably the most accessible, accessible person for this. And, and it, I was remiss for not mentioning him. But I just wanted to clarify that. Were, were you, were you, you kind of asked this before, were you surprised about how many of the individuals that you were able to get, like in regards to the number, not the individual, but like the number of people you were able to have those conversations with and how open they were about the situation? Uh, I was surprised. I, I thought I might get about half of them. I and mean, that's pretty much what I got. I didn't know what to expect when I reached out to some, to the players, the teammates. Mm -hmm. The family, I, I thought they would be more amenable to 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 talking, but but that that that's uh, it was a little disappointing. But that's that's the reality. Can't do much about that. Um, the uh, it, it, it was a little harder than than I than I'd expected. The uh, uh, but but overall, I think it was it was it was a pretty good result. Were you able to sort of, were you able to talk to Coach Williams? Oh, I was. Yes, yes. He gave for the book and not for the book, but for the podcast series. And okay. what was critical there is uh, Don Marcus is a producer. You, uh, you may remember Don for covering Maryland athletics and at, uh, for the Baltimore sun. And Don was very significant in helping line up interviews with people like Gary Williams. Um, interesting, interestingly, after I wrote the book and I saw Gary somewhere and he said, Dave, I, I really liked the book. He, wow. he was commendable about how it was done. So, that may have contributed as well to him talking for the podcast series. Um, right. So, uh, it, yeah, it was it was difficult, but you know, I looked at it a, a bit. Travis as in athletics, you've got a goal, and sometimes, if as you know, when you train and work out, sometimes it's not easy. If you're going to get fit, you're going to hurt, right? If you do it right, you're going to hurt sometimes, right? And it can be it can be painful. This wasn't physically painful; it was more mentally challenging. How am I going to work through this? And just put your head down and do what you can. <clears throat> yeah so what, what what made you you did the born ready the book so what made you do the podcast the series 
Um, what made you go about doing that? Well, Travis, uh, soon after the book, uh, as Tom evolved after the book came out, I, I wondered if there was a, a longer film version of his legacy. As I mentioned before, the 30 for 30 podcast ended really after Len died. And I knew there was so much more to it. So um, about two years ago at this time, I, I thought it would be time to do a documentary and I, I tried and needed to find a production partner. So I thought about Octagon uh, Entertainment or Octagon, the uh, sports marketing company. I knew they were starting to do some things. I, I watched Michael Phelps' documentary actually, realized they were starting to produce their own documentaries. And I knew some people at Octagon. They're a, a big sports marketing firm that represents such athletes as Steph Curry, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Simone Biles, and, and of course, Michael Phelps. And I reached out to them. They, I was connected to their uh, production uh, department and they were interested. So we decided to put a, 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 a trailer together, a sizzle reel as they call it. And we weren't getting any hits off it after a couple months. So we decided to reorganize and, and go the podcast route because podcasts were becoming very popular to the point where um, we are now going to debut the series uh, Friday. It's at least 12 sections, 12 segments in three sections. The first section is focuses on Len's life. The second section focuses on, on Maryland, uh, how it impacted Maryland athletics. There are, there are four segments in that section. I'm sorry, three segments in that section. The first section has four segments, including the introduction. And, um, and then the last section focuses on his legacy on a national level, how it affected federal drug legislation, the Celtics, the NBA, uh, black culture, um, his Hall of Fame recognition, how it affected his family. And also importantly, Travis, we, we're doing a segment on decision-making. One of our partners in this production is the Decision Education Foundation, and you were gracious enough to be part of that segment where we were talk where we talk about people making how they made certain decisions in their lives and how it affected them. And you were very candid talking about the challenges you faced and some decisions you made. So uh, it breaks up to at least a dozen segments. We may have a couple more, and uh, this, this series will run through mid January. Now, did you <clears throat> did you have any other individuals on this podcast that you did not have in your book that you were trying to get in your book that you end up getting on your podcast? Uh, we mentioned Gary Williams before. He's one of them. Um, we talked to I'm trying to remember uh, most of the people that I talked to. for the, I based this, the podcast series on the book. Yeah. So a lot of people that were in the book, we just went back to them. Um, uh, Gary's off the top of my head. Um, we talked to 70 people for the podcast series, including interviews that we had for the book. And, and since we'd re recorded some, we didn't need to do any more over. We did some updates. Uh, Gary pretty much is the only one I can think of uh, off the top of my head because I talked to so many people for the book. The, the, uh, the interesting thing was uh, those who, who chose not to who would talk to for the book. And that was, that was a bit of a disappointment. Some, some former teammates, uh, I thought maybe some who hadn't talked to the book, maybe would talk for the podcast series and they chose not to. Um, so, but that's, I, I knew it was gonna be hard. I knew it was gonna be a challenge. Actually, uh, I'm thinking more now for the series and didn't talk for, for the book, Jay Billis was one. Uh, Scott Van Pelt, we talked to for the podcast series. Um, uh, Justin Tinsley, who's a broadcast, uh, a broadcaster for ESPN and a writer for The Undefeated. And he writes about black culture. 
he gave us some good insight about black culture. Another person we talked to, Reginald Dwayne Betts, who was a, a nationally acclaimed poet, an ex-convict who, when he was 16 from the DC area, uh, was convicted of an armed robbery. Mm -hmm. And he has become a prominent poet in the black culture. Uh, and he had some really good insight. And when he was in prison, he heard about Len Bias and he related Len Bias's story to prison life. So that's how we sort of get into the black culture of things, uh, the black culture aspect of Len's legacy. Um, those are some that come to mind. And actually, if it, a full list, uh, if people want to get a full list, they can go to my website at gogradymedia.com. And there's a page that lists all the people that we talk to. Hey, so, so what is your, I think you probably mentioned it before, but what, are you, what is your goal with this podcast right here? What are you, what are you trying to, what's your goal? Primary goal, Travis, I'm glad you asked that, is we've developed something called the 34 plus one campaign. When we started the, the documentary idea, uh, we wanted to put it under the 34 plus one campaign, which is um, producing a long form audio or, and or video presentation of Lens Legacy. The podcast represents the audio form. Hopefully we'll get to the, the video documentary in a couple of years. It, I'm updating the book. I was hoping to have the book updated by this summer. Uh, I wasn't able to. I'm a teacher full time and and I, I also coach youth soccer professionally and, and uh, my son plays and that's just a lot going on. I wasn't able to finish it the way I had hoped to. Yeah. Uh, that's still in the plans. And I think the most important part of this is the Born Ready Project, which you can see the logo on the shirt. Right after I wrote the book, I, I, was, I was selling it at a lot of youth basketball tournaments and people would come up and say, you know, I'm glad you wrote the book. I'm glad, I wish you hadn't written the book, you get different comments. But a prominent comment also was, uh, what are you doing with it? So you have the book out, what else are you gonna do to help people? Right. And I'm glad they did. So the Born Ready Project is a program that teaches decision-making skills, primarily to teenagers and young adults. And for a couple of years, I was speaking at schools and, and recreation centers. Then I became a teacher. I focused on that. Now we're bringing that back into the 34 plus one campaign. 34 represents Len's number as a basketball player. One represents Len the individual. You combine the two and, and you have a flawed individual. I mean, like we all are flawed. Right. And the combine of 34 plus one represents a decision, a poor decision that ended a prominent basketball career, one person makes a bad decision, you can see what happens. So um, the 34 plus one campaign, ultimately we wanna teach a lot of people how to make effective decisions, the right decisions and, and take it from there. Now, can, can you tell people where they can go purchase your book? I think you mentioned it, but can you tell people where they can purchase your book and when is your podcast coming out and where can they listen to that at? The, the book can be purchased at Amazon. If you want autographed copies, go to my website at gogradymedia.com. That's G-O-G-R-A-D-Y media.com. And there is a, there is a book order page. I can order, I can, you can order autographed copies. So get some out for the holidays if I get orders pretty soon. Um, uh, the podcast series is called, as you mentioned, Len Bias, A Mixed Legacy. And it debuts Friday on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and any place that you listen to your podcast. It's hosted by iHeartRadio. And uh, we're hoping for some wonderful things there. And, and um, I think you asked me a question before about maybe some things that are gonna be on there that, that may surprise people. Uh, this earlier, this, I'm still working on this script for the segment that's gonna come out in January. It's one of the last segments. It's about the Bias family. 
and Jay Bias is a story that many people don't know about. And, and that I think people are going to be very surprised to hear about how good a player he was, how tragic that story was, how Len's death impacted him, his life, all the turns it took in Jay's, Jay's life because of Len's death. Um, and, and also uh, the segment about, about black culture, how Len's legacy impacted and was juxtaposed within black culture. So we're, uh, we hope those are going to be two unique, unique segments for everybody. Well, I definitely I'm looking forward to it. Um, I think a lot of other individuals are as well. Um, I think it's like you say, I think it's going to make people think about some of their choices. I know that's one, that's one of your goals um, and it's going to put it's going to, like I said, highlight and and let people know about some things that they didn't know. And some things that I, like I said, I, I talked to some of those guys that lost Tony Massenbergs that they were on my podcast and they opened up, you know, and, and stuff that I never even knew about and I went to Maryland, you know. Um, but I think it's, it's sometimes it's good to talk about things that, that was tragedy that can prevent things from happening again. Um, so yeah, I know, yeah. the, know the importance of it. Yeah, to put it in even greater context, uh, I was mentioning to your producer before we started, um, what's happening tonight at University of Maryland honoring Len with giving away 4,000 of his jerseys to the first 4,000 students and then recognizing the family at halftime because of his induction into the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame uh, 10 days ago to tie it into that and the documentary they just produced and released about Len, uh, his time at Maryland, they're focusing on that. That would not have happened 10 years ago. I know when the book came out, uh, I had set up a book signing with the Fast Breakers and this is 2011. And we set it up in Heritage Hall in, in what was then Comcast Center. A day before it was to happen, they called me up and said, Dave, sorry, they don't want you in there. Because of the, the content at that point was very uncomfortable for a lot of Maryland people. It's still, it's still probably going to be. But right. the university is now accepting Len Moore. I don't think they've embraced him, but they're accepting his legacy more. They, they, they uh, inducted him into the Athletics Hall of Fame in 2004, uh, 2014. Um, and so it's, it's nice to see that they're finally embracing it. Uh, one thing that is still a struggle for people to accept and uh, talking about Len's drug use, the almost to a man of, of those I interviewed as teammates, except for one person, Phil Nevin. Uh, they all said, man, I, I didn't know he was using drugs, which surprises me. Um, and these are people who live with Len, uh, who, but that's, that's their reflection and, and, and that's how they're gonna communicate it. Uh, so I think that's a part that's is still the hard part. And, mm -hmm. But the reality is he was a casual user and, and um, you can't ignore that. Well, definitely good luck with the project. Um, I know it's gonna do well. Um, I'm looking forward to listening and, and tuning in. Um, like I said, thanks for your time for go, uh, joining Go Turbans with Travis Garrison on the Field of Six Eight Networks. I appreciate your time. Always great talking to you and catching up with you. Um, definitely take care and, like I say again, good luck. Well, I know we we met it on the golf course. That's that was about eight nine years ago. Maybe we'll play golf again soon. Absolutely, <laughs> hey, you did you did a lot about you did. I knew how to play it, but I didn't know how to play it all actually. But you were very patient with me and you helped right. me process. So. I definitely appreciate that. And I am looking forward to playing again for sure. Hopefully we can do that soon. Trevor, uh, Travis, thank you for your time and good luck. Thank you. Thank you.